Morning, evening, afternoon. I am happy to tell you that Cameron Smith is our 150th champion golfer of the year at the expense of a certain Rory McIlroy. But anyways, we'll move on from that. Come on. So let's jump into this. Just going to do a quick 15, 20, maybe 30, I don't really know, minute review on what happened at the Open Championship, how it went, who played well, who played bad, stuff that I saw behind the ropes. So yeah, man, I, I've been... I've been thinking about this since Sunday evening. I sat in the green for around, or not in the green, on the 18th and first fairways at St. Andrews. Just reminiscing over the past few days, it was like one of the most incredible experiences that a person can see to be there for the 150th Open Championship, banners everywhere in the middle of the grandstands, and then sitting there on Sunday evening after Cameron Smith was announced as the 150 champion golfer, and seeing people running around, a lot of Australians there cheering them on, a lot of Irish people dejected in the in the way that it ended for Rory. So yeah, I've had a I've had a bit of time. It's now Tuesday morning. I've had a bit of time to think about what happened, what what I saw, and any cool things that I took away. So I'm just gonna jump into it. I suppose it all started on Thursday morning, and I won't go through every day, but it started on Thursday morning when I walked in and. You walk into the by the ticket officers, and you can walk in, and you take a look up to your right hand side, and you're staring straight up the 18th and first fairways towards the the RNA clubhouse, towards Rosex Hotel. Just an image that will I'll never forget. It's almost like when you walk into a major stadium, whether it's Crow Park or Old Trafford, or for the first time, and you walk up the steps and you stand out and you see 70 or 80 thousand people in front of you. That's what. That was a similar experience to what I had on Thursday morning when I walked in around half ten in the morning. Um, after landing over at three a.m. just seven hours earlier, so yeah, you look around and first thing I recognised was how brown the course was. There wasn't there was barely a shade of green on the fairways, apart from the greens, obviously. But on the fairways, just pure brown. It looked so firm, hard. I saw somebody's drive, I can't remember who, but somebody's drive just bounced in the fairway and took a massive hop straight forward. So I knew then we were in for a bit of a roller coaster of a ride. But just to dive in a little bit on Cam Smith, who, yeah, 150th Open champion. To go out and shoot 30 on a back nine on Sunday of an, of a, like of any golf tournament, but especially of a major championship, is ridiculously good shooting. To shoot, to open up from 10 to 15, 10 to 14 with five birdies in the trot on a back nine that was only averaging 0.82 under par and then birdied the 18th as well. So he made six birdies, shot 30 in the back nine and it was only averaging 35.18. It's incredible shooting. And then made two birdies as well on the front nine. So what he did was remarkable and should always be remembered as one of the greatest sporting achievements because he went and got it. Which a lot of major champion, a lot of major championships are decided by a player backing down or crumbling under pressure. He went and got this, which was fair juice to him. Hands up. I suppose what I what I saw from my own side was the mental resilience that Cam Smith had. So Rory makes that birdie putt on ten. He's close to eagle. He makes the birdie putt, and Cameron Smith birdies eleven. Just as Rory taps in for birdie, Cameron Smith standing on the twelfth tee. He's about to tee off. Cameron McElroy makes the birdie putt. The crowd goes wild. It's a massive grandstand to the right of, to the left of the 11 tee box. 
and the crowd goes absolutely crazy roaring for Rory, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Cameron Smith stands up, and within three, five seconds, he hits his drive on 12 straight down the middle. Like, unfazed by the pressure. And this just happened all day. Like, his up and down on 17 under all of the pressure in the world from in front of, in front of the bunker, which was one of the... One of the best shots we've seen in an open championship or a major championship, and it was a putt. Like a lot of people would have chipped that, a lot of people would have tried a crazy the crazy shot, would have tried something stupid. Cameron Smith just calm under the pressure, makes the putt right hand side, gives himself 12, 12, 15 feet, and makes the putt. That that's unbelievable mental resilience. And then even the eighteenth, like Cameron Smith tees off first and Cameron Young knocks it and Cameron Smith just knocks it down in front of the green. Cameron Young tees off. He drives it to about 12 feet, makes the makes the eagle putt, as we all know. But Rory, after Cameron Smith teed off in 18, Rory hits his approach shot on the 17. It lands to about 15 feet and the crowd goes absolutely berserk. Cameron Smith's walking up the 18th fairway. He gets up, he gets across Twilkin Bridge and the crowd is roaring. Come on, Rory. And Cameron Smith just seems unfazed. Like most people, like Jordan Spieth had walked through earlier and everybody's roaring, come on, Jordan. Like just as a mark of respect for the player. But everyone's obviously rooting for Rory because this has been held in Scotland over this side of the pond and everybody's rooting for Rory. And Cameron Smith just strolls along, unfazed. Like just all, all day to win any Open Championship, you have to, or to win any major championship, you have to be mentally resilient, similar to what Tiger had back in the day. And... Cameron Smith had that. He knew that the fans were out there cheering on his competitor and he just seemed unfazed by it. To make five birdies in the trot, like I mentioned, and then buried the 18th as well under all of that pressure. Remarkable stuff. So, well done, Cameron Smith. The Claret joke is yours. Um, all right, let's talk about a slightly emotional topic. Rory McIlroy. Four top tens of majors this year for the first time in his career. The crowd, I mean... All week, all week, we're cheering them on. And I mentioned this in every single Instagram live or Instagram reel that I did. Like, for example, on Friday evening, Xander, like, Xander Morikawa and Rory are walking onto the tee box and everybody's roaring for Rory. And then Xander tees off, Morikawa tees off, and Rory stands up to take a few practice swings. And even before he takes a few practice swings, people are screaming, oh, Rory! Like, Every like he could have thrown a rap like I'm tweeting this out. He could have thrown a rapper in the bin, and people would have cheered him on and egged him on. That's how much, and like it helps in a way. It obviously spurs him on, but also adds more pressure that a lot of people wouldn't be able to cope with. But it seems like Rory did cope with that pressure. So fair juice to him. I thought that that was unreal. The amount of support that he had from the fans, and yeah, I, I've definitely taken that away from uh, taking that away as a memory. I suppose on Sunday. The putts just wouldn't drop. He missed them on the high side. I think he said this in an interview to Sky Sports or one of the one TV broadcasters. That every other day he felt like he got stared inside the hole. And just for some reason, he felt like he missed them all on the high side. And he's starting his putts all inside the hole, which you can see. Like in the first third and ninth hole, he missed from about within side 12, 15 feet. The 13th hole, he made an excellent putt, which stops two inches short. The 17th hole, he just misses on the left-hand side. Just to put the putts didn't drop, and this isn't one that Roy went out and bottled, and nobody can really say that this is just one that got away from him. And he, I think he said this in an interview as well that he felt like he 
he didn't lose it, but he didn't go and get it, which is the thing that's slightly the thing that's slightly disappointing. But it's an open championship. He's four shot lead in Saturday evening. He thinks if he goes and shoots a, a 69, 68, he's a good opportunity of winning this, which he probably does. But um, yeah, that shot. I just want to point out that shot and the in the bunker shot on the tenth hole on Saturday. So I was standing to the I was standing just behind the ninth tee box, so I could see this. I wasn't there wasn't too many of a crowd there, so we got a perfect view of it. And the place went crazy. You would I would have sworn it was the 18th hole on a Sunday of a major in Ireland or the UK, and Roy just hold out. It went berserk, and Roy just stand. I saw the video clips. I, haven't seen too much of the videos or too much bro- um, coverage of the broadcast, but he stands up, he gives a little fist bumps to Harry, and he walks up and he struts. I mean, struts up. That, that was carnage. Because se- holes 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 are all pretty close to each other, and there's a massive grandstands watching all of them. They're all pretty close to each other, and the place just around that, um, around that area, berserk. Um, I suppose on a slightly emotional topic, like Roy obviously went and he did it. He had a touch of class after he finished his round. I think this has to be touched on as well. He does, he, he walks off, he waves to the crowd. He understands why he's left behind him, but he still waves to the crowd. He does his media duties and Mark Immelman referenced this on the first golf podcast, but he doesn't just think of any random answer to give and just use. He, he tries his best to give honest answers is what I'm saying. He thinks about his answers. He he's honest with everybody. He says that he knows he got that this one kind of got away from him. And then I was speaking with somebody who was standing behind the in the volunteers' office, and they saw that he just left the TV broadcast. He went. He jumped on a buggy with his wife Erica, and he just put his head in, his, in her shoulder, and the two of them just rode off on a buggy. Uh, somebody obviously driving them, and he just broke down in tears. Which is tough to see, tough to hear about. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned, everybody there wanted Roy to win. No disrespect to Cam Smith, but it just felt like it was Roy's to lose. And this was the one, he this was the big one. And he might not win the Masters, but he'll win the 150th Open Championship, and that'll mean a hell of a lot to him. Um, so however disappointed we were, I heard Jamie Weir on the No Laying Up podcast, however disappointed all his number one fans were. I can only imagine how he's feeling. So this one was staying for a little bit, but I'm sure he'll be back. Um, Cameron Young. All right, briefly mention Cameron Young because I'm, I only want to make this 15, 20 minutes, but what Cameron Young, he finished T2 this week. He finished T3 at the PGA Championship. He's only 24 or 25 years old. He made an eagle on the 18th. Like that drive on the 18th to give himself a chance. He knew the position that he was in. To give himself that chance, I put a I put an eagle to level with Cameron Smith at the time at 19 under. That was brilliant from Cameron uh, Cameron Young. And fair play to him. He opens up with a 64 Thursday. And usually we see these kind of inexperienced guys. I tweeted this out. We see these inexperienced guys open up with a 64 or 65. And they wilt away over the weekend. And it just doesn't happen for them. And never materializes. Because this is a major championship. And... Cameron Young didn't do that. He didn't have he didn't have the best of Fridays and Saturdays, but he comes out and he gives himself a chance on Sunday. He shoots a sixty-five and fair play to him. That that was excellent. Uh, 
I think the the thing with Victor was, and this probably impacted Rory as well. It's just he couldn't get it going. Like Rory remarked after his run on Saturday is that him and Victor fed off each other's energy, which is absolutely true. And Sunday it just felt like they couldn't get it going. So that was disappointing to see from Victor. But listen, it's it's his first top ten in a major ever. So I'm sure similar to Roy, I'm sure he'll be back. The course, right. Might take some heat for this, but I loved the course. I thought it was you could the leaderboard fluctuated a hell of a lot, but there were birdies, there were eagles out there. There was also bogeys. I think this is what everybody's forgetting. Everybody's saying it's a pitch, pitch and putt contest. It's a birdie fest. On Saturday, I think there was only one bogey free round on the course, and that was Victor Hovland. Like, there were bogeys out there, and if you hit a bad shot, if you got a bad bounce, you, were, you could be punished. It wasn't like it was just drive it as far as you can and just hit it. it you could still get a bad bounce and be scrambling and be hitting it sideways from a bunker. And I'm, like, for example, on... Uh, on Thursday, the twelfth, the thirteenth tee, the th- sorry, the thirteenth hole, the whole the whole location was behind a bunker and a mound that people had to come over. And then if it landed near the flag, it was going to bounce off a down stop. I saw numerous people, including Moronk and Bazadenhout, in that bunker in front of thirteen on Thursday, and they're pitching out sideways. So, of course, if if you got a bad bounce, you had to deal with it and. I don't. I know twenty under one, and but I still don't think it was necessarily just go out there and hit as hard as you can off the tee, and that's it. Players were still punished. Like Cameron Smith shot seventy three on Saturday. Victor Hovland shot seventy four on Sunday. Um, nine and like, and then in terms of the scoreboard, it, it gave massive opportunities. One of the best leaderboards that we've seen in in all time. Like nine and ten were eagle opportunities. We shot like we saw Shane. The sixteenth is a tough hole. The seventeenth is a tough hole. Eighteenth, you could make eagle like. It was there to be got at, but it was also there to punish you. And I, I don't think that we should be blacklisting St. Andrews as an open championship venue in the future just because of that. Um, in terms of like what I saw from the course, play was very slow. Like Regan Sink, who's Stuart Sink's son, came over and he's speaking to, I presume it was family members, relatives, um, on Thursday evening. He's just saying that play was so slow. Like Tigers round took uh, six hours to finish and... It was slow. Like there was times where people were waiting 20, 25 minutes on tee boxes, and I think it was remarked on the TV broadcast that they hadn't shown a shot from Cameron Smith or Rory at one stage on Friday, and that was only because they were waiting on tee box for so long. So play was slow, but that's always going to happen when the ball's like dry. Tiger, sorry, Tiger drove on four hundred and eighteen yards on Friday, and that's always going to happen. Like with firm fairways, you're going to drive. You have to wait for the groups in front to get through, and that's just going to happen. Saw some, just I suppose to remark, I saw some familiar faces outside the ropes. I saw like Jerry McElroy, Gina, uh, who's Brooks's wife, Paulina, Paulina Gretzky, Stefan Schofle, Mike Thomas. They were all outside the ropes of stages. I don't know if players weren't given as many badges or accreditation to give out to family members as other years, but I saw a lot of people outside the ropes. In terms of the like, just getting back a little bit about the course, the conditions it was obviously were perfect. It was firm, fast. It was perfect for the players in terms of an entertainment standpoint. We would like some weather, but there's nothing we can do about that. And we shouldn't be, maybe another year, the conditions would have affected the scoring a lot more. And just to, just because of this year that the wind didn't blow, it doesn't mean that we should be blacklisting the event. Like, for example, the leaderboard at one stage on Saturday, provided the, in the top of the leaderboard, there was the world number one, two, four, six, nine, eighteen, 18, and 32. So, 
there was five, six out of the top 20 in the world were in, at the top of the leaderboard at one stage on Saturday, and that's remarkable. Um, all right, three more points to touch on. Tiger, because this, this podcast wouldn't be complete unless I mentioned the greatest of all time, in my opinion. So Thursday evening, the fences were aligned with people. So just to give you an idea, along the side of 18, there's a little kind of boundary for spectators. And then there's the like the Rustic Hotel and there's a massive fence that's about seven feet high running alongside that. So spectators can get close. And then outside that seven foot fence, people were like standing on bricks and standing on walls to try and get a view of Tyre coming up the 18th. It was such a magical setting that the sun was sitting in the background, shining straight up the 18th fairway. Tiger's walking up. He walks across Silicon Bridge. I, I I will never forget that walking in and make. I think he made par on that hole on Thursday. But he just walking up. He tips his cap to the fans. Friday was even more remarkable because everybody knew he was going to miss the cut. He walks across Swilkin Bridge. But this is a magical scene where. Rory is teeing off just at, just as Tiger is teeing off. So Rory's teeing off in the first, just as Tiger's teeing off on the 18th. Now he seems like a passing of the baton. Tiger's walking up. Rory tips his cap to him. And Ro- Tiger ref- referenced that a number of times in his pr- post-round interviews. And then as Tiger gets to the 18th green, is one of his best friends out in tour, Justin Thomas, is teeing it up on the first tee. So, yeah, I spoke with somebody who was... This, the same volunteer as earlier who's actually speaking with Tiger after he's a volunteer for Tiger's group. And he said that the Tiger was very open with them. He spoke to them for 30 or 40 seconds, asking them what their name was. And I thought that was inter- interesting, but him walking up that 18th fairway on Saturday or sorry, on Friday, a sight to behold. And just a round of applause. It felt like there was 200,000 people all on that 18th, all on that 18th fairway. And it was referenced a number of time on the radio. I didn't see too much of the broadcast. So, yeah, that's just... I thought it was cool just to let that sink in. I didn't want to take too many videos or anything because I kind of wanted to be all cringy and experience that in the moment. But that was that was a scene to behold. Yeah. Um. All right. Two more things. The beauty of Lynx Golf. Lynx Golf is just the best. And it's a shame that we get like the Irish Open's being held in the parkland and then the Scottish Open and then the Open Championship and then people go back to America. That's it. But like, for example, I tweet this out. On Thursday, J- Justin Thomas's and Victor Hovland's balls landed within five feet of each other. Justin Thomas bounced over the 12th bunker. Victor Hovland bounces in the 12th bunker and he has to pitch outside of us. And it's just that randomness. Like A lot of the time, it's just drive as far as you can, hit a 60-degree wedge and try and try and make your birdie. This is like... It's a proper test of mental resilience. You're going to get bad bounces. You're going to get unfortunate breaks. You're going to be in rushes. How are you going to deal with that? It's not just a test of golf shots. It's a good test of your mental resilience. So, and it's it's unpredictable. Like people don't know what to expect. Just even when you're teeing off, it's like, oh, hope he doesn't like he could tee off and have a perfect shot in the shot tracer, but it gets one bad bounce to the left, and all of a sudden it's in rushes and it's two feet deep, and he doesn't know what the light is going to do. It's so exciting as a spectator and that's something that we should that's something that we should love and it should be encouraged and I just wish they had more Lynx tournaments over here it's a proper test of Lynx golf you get one bad bounce you're a little bit off with your shots your approach shots you get one bad bounce to the right and you roll down a, a 10 foot ridge and what's going to happen next it, it's, it's a mental test as much as anything Um, yeah like and then even the other thing is and I spoke about this with Andy Lack on my podcast last week that 
the bunkers are properly punishing. It's not like a PGA Tour event where a player is going out and they drive as far as they can, and if the rough is like three or four or five inches long, they're screaming at the ball, getting the bunkers. They don't want the bunkers out here because they could be up against the lip and they're pitching out sideways. It's, it's a proper punishment for players missing the fairway rather than PGA Tour where they're 120 yards out, perfect lie, no lip at the bunker, and yeah, that's it. It's it's excellent, and I, like I mentioned earlier, I saw Moronk, and I saw Bill Zayden how in the 13th hole on Thursday having to pitch out sideways because they got aggressive with the flag. They came up a little bit short in the bunker, pitch out sideways, try and make your par from 30 feet or so. It's excellent. Uh, just to finish off, and this is the so earlier was the emotional bit. There was a, with Roy, there was a congratulatory bit with Cameron. This is the emotional bit, uh, or kind of the reflective bit. St. Andrews is a magical, magical place. Just the culture of the place, the, it's so steeped in tradition. Like everywhere you go, if you go into a pub, if you go into a shop, if you go into not even a chipper, you see something referencing the golf tournament at St. Andrews. It's just made for, it's made for golf. And it's such a historic place. Like, and I, I, I sat, like I mentioned earlier, I sat in the 18th fairway for about four hours till half ten, thinking I was crazy on Sunday evening. But just looking at people, this is an open park that people go and play or people go and walk. I mean, on a Sunday, it's not open for golf any Sunday, and people just go around and they walk around it and they go with their dogs, take their dogs on walks, and it's open to the public. This is it's a it's a magical magical place. And eight after the eighteenth hole on Sunday, it nearly became a park for people again. There was people running around with dogs. There was kids jumping in now the bunkers. There was adults there take, with golf balls that they bought in the pro shop, rolling it down the valley of sin. There was Michael Greta walking with who's Jordan Speed's caddy walking with his family, just thinking, just showing them the shot that Jordan had on Sunday, like. Asking his, I don't know if his son or his whatever, like, what would you do here if you're if you're taking Jordan's shot? And he puts it like he's making a practice swing, and it's just like it's so open, and people are just so happy to be there. And it's in such a magical setting that you're driving up the 18th into the little town, and it, it's a, it's a it's an Arnia. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit much, but it just feels like this surreal place, steeped in tradition and history that the best players of all time have played on. And yeah. So I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to touch on the Open Championship. That was just my thoughts on it, what happened, what I saw. Fair play, Cameron Smith. Like I mentioned again, to go and make five birdies in the trot, to go and birdie the 18, to deal with all the pressure of all the fans rooting for Roy, to go out and win the Open Championship, become the 150th Open Champion Golfer of, or Champion Golfer of the Year, to do that's the old course of St. Andrews, all remarkable with that pressure on you to win your first major. Well done, Cameron Smith. Listen, I had a I had a blast being there. If you join me on Instagram or on Twitter or wherever you're following me or TikTok, I hope you enjoyed it because I loved it and I hope I got across some of the images, some of the behind the ropes access or not behind the ropes access, but like inside the ground access, some of the stuff that I saw and I hope you enjoyed it. All right, guys, listen, thanks very much. If you enjoyed this, follow me at the plug lie, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm not sure if I'm on Facebook. All right. Thanks, guys.